there. So little Abigail will come to join us. And uh, we're right now just kind of, um, I don't know, new parents. And we have uh, William there at home kind of reshaping the way everything happens in the house. And we're learning to live in his world now. So we're just waiting to see, is Abigail going to come and live in his world or is she going to take over his world? We don't know what will happen yet. I see him leading her around by the hand and her getting mad at him and saying, get out of here, stop doing that. So William has a way of just, you know, first thing in the morning, he grabs me by my finger and takes me out there and shows me the banana basket and says, give me a banana. He can't actually say it yet, but he wants a banana every morning first thing. So he has a way of just showing you what he wants and just expecting it to happen, being 18 months old and all. All right, let's pray and we'll get started tonight. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I praise your name for uh, giving us Jesus, for giving us the cross, for salvation, for the word of God, and for the fact that we can have this church tonight to gather at to worship your name, to hear wonderful music service that we already heard, Lord, and uh, to, to be able to just learn something about uh, Jesus tonight and grow closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm so thankful uh, for the opportunity to preach tonight. Um, I just, I, I have to tell you, I'm thankful for this church. We came here first time, uh, we heard a special that just floored me, but everything up until that point, uh, you know, it just kind of pointed me toward what, how have we not known this place was here? This is it. And we just kind of knew every step, you know, pulling into the parking lot, seeing the building, pulling into the parking lot, seeing the people greet us, and then getting into the lobby. And we even saw materials and things, you know, the, the pamphlets and stuff that we recognized. We've both been to West Coast Baptist College out there in California, and we saw stuff that was just kind of like, oh, this must be a like-minded church. How did we not know this place was here? <laughs> you know, just, just Everything seemed to be in tune with what we kind of believe, but also just seemed to be people were just loving us and treating us like if we were not saved, if we didn't know Jesus, we would have felt the love of Christ when we came into this place. We just kind of immediately felt at home. And then uh, we went over to pastor's house and Pastor John's house, and I think it was that pastor's house, but eventually uh, the pastor's wife, you know, I was referring to, oh, this church this and this church this, just kind of praising and bragging on, on Crossroads a little bit, and she said, you know, you ought to call it your church, and I thought, hey, that's a good idea. This is our church now, isn't it? And I was only a couple weeks in there. I thought, man, she's ready to keep me here. I don't know if I, and if I need to try to escape or what, but we're just so thankful to be here. It is a blessing. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I've got something very simple uh, for you from the Word of God. But Luke chapter 10, verse 25, I think, and I, I hope and I pray it will be a blessing to you tonight. Um, I want you to imagine with me, Luke 10, verse 25, that Jesus knows what he's doing. Now, Jesus does know what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you can picture that with me tonight. As Jesus preaches, he preaches exactly what needs to be preached. And as he gives an illustration when he's talking to somebody, he gives exactly the illustration that needs given, doesn't he? He's always done that. He's always uh, been God. He is God now, and he always will be God. He's perfect. Uh, but here in this passage, I believe Jesus was given an illustration of the gospel. Amen. It was such a blessing to come and, and uh, hear tonight the, the emphasis, even in the song service, on the gospel and the fact that it is a done gospel, right? It's not a do gospel. We don't have to work for our salvation. In fact, you can't work for salvation. You couldn't possibly uh, earn it if you tried. Uh, so it, it's something that is done for us, and we, we can simply receive it. And I believe that's what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 10. But he's given an illustration of that, of the gospel. 
And I believe he's given an illustration uh, specifically for a reason. And, and so I'll just ask you to use a little bit of imagination with me tonight as to read this passage of why would Jesus use this specific illustration uh, to picture the gospel. Starting in verse 25 in Luke chapter 10, the word of God says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In verse 26, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? So this lawyer stood up and was kind of challenging Jesus, wasn't he? He said, ah, I wonder if I can trip up Jesus. Well, if there ever was a goal doomed to fail, that was it, right? This guy said, I'm going to confuse Jesus. I'll get him confounded in his words. He won't be able to answer my question. If anybody would think they could do that, it'd be a lawyer, wouldn't it? A trained to argue and a professional arguer, you could say. Uh, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Well, he, he failed, didn't he? Uh, he? Jesus came right back at him with the perfect uh, answer, and it was a question, you know, in answer to his question. What is written in the law? How readest thou, he said. He answered to him. Uh, what do you think? What do you look when you see in the word of God? What do you see? Uh, in verse 27, he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and, and thy neighbor as thyself. So the lawyer came back at him with some do, didn't he? He came back with, at, at Jesus with, with uh, sort of a works gospel, didn't he? Hey, I know how to follow the law, Jesus. I'm, I, I'm you know, well aware of all the teachings of the scripture, and I try to follow those, and, and that's how I'm planning on getting my way to heaven. Uh, well, Jesus came back at him again. He said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. What did Jesus mean when he said that? Man, was Jesus saying that works is the way to heaven? You think that tonight? I don't. I think Jesus was saying, hey, good luck getting those works done in a perfect way. If you could earn your way to heaven, it'd be by being perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, that's why nobody can do it. That's why no human flesh can achieve heaven without the gift of eternal life from Jesus. He said, hey, if you'd go ahead and do that, what you just said, if you think you can achieve that perfectly, you'll get your way to heaven on your own. <laughs> 29, uh, the, the uh, word of God says, but he willing to justify himself. So he kind of immediately fell back on his heels there, didn't he? Say, oh, I think I need to justify myself now. I need to defend myself a little bit. He realized Jesus had him cornered there. And he said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He said, hey, uh, will you go ahead and tell me how can I achieve this goal you've set for me? Who should I go ahead and do this for? He thought he'd trick him again. Thought he'd come back at Jesus again. Well, uh, this, this uh, lawyer here was doomed to fail in his goal. He thought he'd confuse Jesus on the word of God. Uh, didn't understand that Jesus was God, did he? The message of the gospel is being preached by Jesus here, essentially, through this passage. As we continue through the, the message, you'll see it tonight. Uh, and the, the, the point of the message, I think, is that the, the hopelessness of works to save man. The hopelessness of works to save man. But I want you to pay attention to the illustration that Jesus is going to use. Now, we've all heard this passage before. Uh, it is the Good Samaritan. But I want you to think about it from a certain perspective tonight. The lawyer here was trying to stump Jesus. He was justifying himself now. But what question did he ask? And was it a good question? I want to ask you that tonight. Who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Think about that question tonight. When was the last time you asked Jesus that question? Who am I supposed to love as myself? Who is there out there that I'm supposed to notice today, Jesus? Jesus. 
Uh, sure, this passage is about the gospel, but Jesus used a passage about someone who you'll see comes into a state of need and then someone fulfilling that need for a reason, I believe. He, I, I think he was sort of using almost a Shakespearean method here of preaching to and teaching and, and, and speaking to different levels of people, different types of people here. Maybe there were uh, unsaved people there. We can see that, certainly. And maybe there were saved people there. And maybe speaking and teaching to both crowds here and saying, hey, uh, if you want to really know what works uh, looks like, uh, well, here's what it would mean to an unsaved person, the hopelessness of works to save me. But here's what it would mean to a saved person. Here's an opportunity to serve. Here's what it really looks like when you do carry out what the Word of God teaches and preaches. Uh, number one, a troubled soul, we can see in verse 30. Uh, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem. So he's responding back to the lawyer again, saying, uh, here's an illustration for you. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So we can see here there's a troubled soul, and the soul here is a person. Uh, in other words, an opportunity often comes in the form of a person uh, in need. Jesus said, hey, if you want an opportunity to fulfill the law, that's going to come in the, in the form of a person there that has a need. And when we look at this person uh, who is obviously fallen in this passage, we can see several things that are true about him. Some say that he, he was in sin. Why? Because he went down. Uh, he, look, in, look in verse 30 again. It says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Some say, hey, that's a picture of going down into sin. And that could be true. Uh, we can see that he had been robbed. He'd been injured. He'd been left half dead. We know that's true. Jesus said it. Uh, but what we know for sure about this whole passage, this whole situation, uh, about this gentleman it's specifically, whether he's a real person or not, I believe he was uh, uh, personally, but what, whether we uh, believe that or not, what we know is in this illustration Jesus is using, this man was in a bad way, wasn't he? He's in a bad situation here. Oh, man, he is, he is sort of at the bottom of his barrel. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So some would say, hey, this guy was in sin. He got himself in trouble. He you know, sort of uh, put himself in this situation. Well, let's assume that. If we do assume that, what should we do? We should restore him, right? If the guy's fallen into sin, we should restore him. We know that a fallen person, uh, God says, hey, go ahead and restore that person. He was forgotten, man. We can see that he was forgotten, wasn't he? When you look at this passage, ask yourself a question. Where were all the people that should have been there to help him? He is out there, you know, in a far off place. Somebody must have known he wasn't, you know, at home where he should have been. You know, at least he's traveling. Somebody would have known he was not where he normally was. He got into trouble. People had known that he got into trouble for sure. And then he's in the middle of nowhere and, and left all alone. Why? Uh, where was his family? Where were his friends? Uh, he had gone a long way down, hadn't he? He was in a bad way here. Uh, he was forgotten. You know, falling can be hard. Uh, this man here was a soul uh, that, that was an illustration of a, uh, an opportunity to fulfill the law of God. And he had fallen down a long way. And I, when I think about that, I think about how, fall, how hard falling can be. 
uh, you know, it brings back several opportunities and memories from my life. I don't even have to go outside of my own life to find an illustration of falling. I have bad joints, and, and I, I didn't always used to be that way, but, man, I've just always found a way to, to crash and burn and wreck in different, various different ways. Uh, I remember one time as a teenager, I was riding my mountain bike. Well, I hardly remember it, but I was riding my mountain bike down the hill in front of my house or where I sort of th- I say I grew up here in Waynesboro on Henry Avenue and uh, going down the hill there. And next thing you know, uh, I don't remember the rest. <laughs> I went over the handlebars. My sister Jennifer tells me, and she had to kind of half pick me up and you know, half carry me back to the house and put me on the, the bed there and just let me lay there because I just face planted to this day. One of my earlobes, I can't remember which it is, but it nearly got torn off. And I can feel if I find it, you know, it's sort of ripped off inside of my head there a little bit. Man, I fell and it hurt a lot. Another time on the same Henry Avenue there, I was a crazy teenager. Can you tell? Crazy kid. Uh, I was going down the same hill with my bike. And there's this, uh, you know, kind of level area in the middle there where a cross street is. They're right in the middle of Henry Avenue there. So there's one hill and then another hill. There's a small hill and then the big hill. We lived on the small hill. So I'm going down the small hill and I turn suddenly, go up the, the side street there and the chain falls off the, the spokes of my bike there, you know, or the, the, the gear of my bike there. And so I had the 10 speed there going and then all of a sudden it wasn't going anymore. Uh, so I hit a parked car. To this day, I have a dent in my right arm because my right arm hit the mirror of that parked car and that mirror drove into my arm. And so it kind of dug a little hole in my right arm. I don't even know how that works to this day. I, the skin stayed, but really kind of just never was the same and has a dent in it now. It's weird looking. Okay, so I have fallen a lot. Man, just the other day, I, it was a couple of months ago, I think, I'm at my uh, papa's house, my grandfather's house, so, you know, over on, uh, um, oh man, Arrow Drive here in Waynesboro. And uh, I was in the backyard, and I got ready to sit down in a chair. and shouldn't have sat on this chair in his backyard. It was a lawn chair. It must have been a rocking lawn chair or something because I sat on that thing and just went back and just kept on going back. And it was slow motion, and everybody's laughing there once I hit the ground because they said, man, you were like going slow motion, and then you hit the ground. I was like, well, if I was going that slow, why didn't you help me? I was falling, man. I needed help. And then I just laid there, of course. They said they were afraid for my life because there was this piece of, like, a tractor equipment right behind me. And I guess I could have got stabbed by it. And once again, I said, why didn't you help me? So I just laid there on the ground because I was laughing at myself. It took me a while to get up. Falling's hard, man. I was hit by a car when I was 13. That's my actual illustration. <laughs> That's how hard falling is, man. I tell you what, don't go rollerblading down a hill through an intersection when an elderly lady is driving up the road the other way. That's not a good idea. <laughs> Broke my femur. Man, I was in the hospital for a week at UVA. Worst part about it is uh, getting that, that external fixator out of your leg. Whew. That's hard, man. That was, that was probably a low point for me. I was forever the guy that broke his leg. Y'all, you're that guy that broke his leg in high school. It was two weeks into my freshman year of high school. You're that guy that broke his leg, right? Falling's hard, isn't it? Well, this guy was uh, in a much worse situation than any of those that I just named, right? He was at a really low point in life. He was at that point where he just kind of looked around and said, what just happened? Well, I'd been there several times, but this guy, man, nothing like that. I've had hard times in life, but nothing like this where I just got beaten and left half dead. Think about it. When was the last time you really noticed that somebody's fallen? 
You didn't just walk right by him, did you? Or did you notice? Did you notice that someone is really, really fallen? Man, that guy's in a bad way right now. The man in this passage had found himself in a bad place. He was in a tough spot. Did you notice that? He's in a tough spot, verses 31 to 32. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by the other side. You know what he did? He didn't just walk by him. He just kind of went, you know, a little bit away from him and said, I'll just, you know, I'll skip this. I'm not even going to get near this guy. I don't want anything to do with it. Notice who the guy was, a priest. I'm going to repeat myself a little bit here, but you'll see why. Uh, The priest was what? A Jew, one of God's chosen people, right? He wasn't a Catholic priest back then. He would have known the law because of living a life dedicated to it. You think so? He's a priest, right? He had knowledge of the law, but his knowledge of the law, he had traditions, but his traditions, he had uh, knowledge of the feasts and sacrifices, but none of those things led him to help this guy who was down, down low, did it? None of those things. Do you know that today you can come to church, you can read the Bible uh, every day, you can read the Bible, pray every day, and not grow? Do you know that's possible? Because the Holy Spirit being in you, having Jesus as your Savior, asking Him for eternal life and becoming saved and knowing for sure that you're on your way to heaven one day, that's the only thing that can make a difference in your life or through you in the lives of others around you. Uh, Church, the Bible, all those things are good and, and you need to add those to your salvation. But if you don't have the salvation to begin with, it just works. It won't get you there. It will not get you there. And now the priest might have had a lot of good uh, intentions in life. I believe he thought he was dedicated to God, uh, but it didn't get him to where God wanted him to be. Say, how do you know what God wanted him to do? Well, Jesus kind of stated that here in this passage, didn't he? He's using it as an illustration. Uh, Who else went by? A Levite. Notice I'm going to repeat myself a little bit here. Uh, And likewise, in verse 32, a Levite, when he was at the place came and looked on him. Now, this guy at least came and looked at him and said, okay, what is going on here? Uh, But still passed by the other side, said, no, never mind. I'm not going to help here. Uh, He still did not help. Who was this? A Levite. Uh, He was what? A Jew, one of God's chosen people, repeating myself here, aren't I? He would have known the law because of the tribe he came from. But his knowledge of the rules of religion, uh, his knowledge of God's way of doing things, of God's word, uh, and and some of that being real, honest, true scripture, uh, his knowledge of what should have been a relationship with God didn't result in a relationship with God. So it didn't result in serving God, did it? Right? He saw a need for opportunity. This guy actually looked at the person that was in need. And walked by the other side. Now, have you ever done that? I'll just confess a little bit right now. I'll half raise my hand. I've done that. I've looked at somebody and thought, man, there's some need in that life right there. And then not done anything about it. Man, we've probably all done that almost every day, right? There's somebody next to you right now that is probably in need, I bet. Somebody in the car with you on the way home today that's in need. And yet we, always, we, we don't always do something about it, do we? Uh, let me tell you something. If you want to talk about uh, a man who's in a tough spot, that right now, the reason I brought him up at the beginning of the message, William. He is just in a tough spot every day. Everything little 18-month-old, our son, William. Uh, William David Turner is his name. So some people like to joke he's Will Turner, you know, that pirate guy. I don't know. 
I don't know much about him, but everybody like, oh, you know, it's Will Turner, right? Yeah, that's his name. I sell them. And they're like, oh, you're lame. You don't know what I'm talking about. But if you want to see somebody that's frustrated, check out William. Man, oh, he gets so frustrated. I didn't know that this happened with kids. But I guess kids behave differently at home than they do outside the home, don't they? Man, Dina's in the hospital. We had to take him over to several, uh, you know, different places for people to watch him. And, 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 and I think they were lying about William's behavior because they said, yeah, he's perfect. Brandon said he eats everything you give him. I said, no, he doesn't. You're not being honest with me. This is not my son you're talking about. But sure enough, I came in the house and he's there sitting on the, at the table eating every little last bit of what they're giving him. I said, you have cast a spell on my son. At home, he behaves a little bit differently. Man, he gets frustrated. Whew. I can only imagine it's because he's 18 months old. He can't say what he wants. He can't figure out how to do everything he wants to do. Some things just frustrate him. William just gets, ugh, and he'll, he'll even yell sometimes. Ah! He you know, just doesn't know what else to do. So he has this cell phone. It's a Nokia. I think they're called 8100. It's like from back in 1992 or something, you know. It says T-Mobile on the bottom. I don't know who that is. But, man, it's just like this ancient piece of equipment. The back actually comes off the phone. Can you imagine that? And there's a battery that comes out. Woo! That's old technology right there, if you can even call it technology. Well, he uh, got this thing at my dad's house and was carrying it around everywhere. We'd put him to sleep, and he'd have it in his hand and fall asleep like that. So they said, just take it with you. I said, well, okay, we'll take it back to Virginia. Thanks a lot. One more thing we have for William. Uh, but he loves it, man. He's still carrying that thing around, sometimes even in place of carrying an iPhone, which he loves. Uh, but he dropped it the other day, and then it comes apart. And this is a revelation to him. Whoa, there's parts, and you can put them back together. He's trying to put it back together. Oh, he got real close and couldn't quite smash the lid on there. I guess there's a, yeah, push it, put it in and slide it down. He didn't know how to do that. He got mad. Ah! You know, <laughs> he just frustrated. Man, I can uh, picture this guy being in a place like that where he was and just couldn't figure out how to get out of the situation he's in. Didn't know what to do. And these people come by and they don't help him at all. They're just, you know, one of them just looking at him. So one of them didn't even come near him. And he said, I don't know what to do. People are all around you right now with nothing but religion in their lives. You know that? You come to church here on Sunday morning, there's somebody here, I bet, that doesn't know Jesus. There's somebody who had a hard uh, situation happen in their life just this, this past week, I guarantee you. There's somebody who has something that, that for months or maybe even years they haven't known what to do about. There's somebody that's struggling with sin. There's somebody that just needs someone to just say, I love you. You ever just walk up to somebody and, and just wonder, hey, how could I, I possibly get this person to tell me what's going on in their life? Hey, just say, can I pray for you for something? I did that the other day, and then this person just opened up to me in Sunday school class, and I thought, wow. Man, you're not like some other people. A lot of people just say, I'm doing good, brother. <laughs> brother, that's kind of the universal name for everybody whose name you don't know, isn't it? Brother, sister. <laughs> but this guy just opened right up. And I thought, you know what? That's how we all ought to be. Just, just tell me. If I ask you if you want a prayer request, tell me what to pray about. Right? You ever try that? Just say, hey, what can I pray for you about? How are things going? Well, how are things going? Usually people just say, oh, they're going great, right? But then follow that up with what can I pray for you about? Then they'll, they'll start getting honest, won't they? People have needs. 
The gospel is available to them. But you know that people that don't have the gospel need somebody to tell them about it? The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher, doesn't it? Well, guess what? It's not talking about a pastor uh, up in a pulpit uh, who only on Sunday morning would give the gospel. No, no, no. There's people out there that will never come in here. Uh, but you go out there and you can share the gospel with them out there. And they can get Jesus and then find out all this opportunity for help that, that is available from God that they never could have had otherwise. Neither the law or the rules of religion led anyone to help this man. Yet he got help. So what caused someone to help him? The, the passage reveals it eventually here, a few verses down. There was a timely solution that was brought. A Samaritan who saw the man needed help came. And he, he showed him compassion in verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You see, I almost feel like there's a progression going on in this passage here. One guy didn't even want to come near him. He was a really religious guy, right? One guy who just knew the word of God came and looked at him. And then someone who uh, really we wouldn't think would have even wanted to be around him had compassion on him. Someone that really uh, kind of just would have kept their distance from most Jews came and said, hey, I'm going to help this guy. Uh, why? Because I have compassion on him verse 34 he went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him and on the morrow when he departed he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again I will repay thee he didn't only have compassion on him it wasn't just uh, that he felt something for this man but he also cared for him he took care of him so uh, you could say it, it's a sort of a picture of the gospel in that uh, God so loved the world that he gave some people like to say hey uh, is love a feeling or is it an action I say yes it's both God loved the world so much that he gave his own begotten son uh, this man here had so much compassion uh, for the man that needed help the Samaritan had so much compassion for him that it resulted in him caring for him amen I think that there, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel and a beautiful picture of how we can uh, be used of God in the lives of someone uh, around us today. You know, Dina has a lot of compassion for me. She can see, hey, this guy's old. I'm 15 years older than her. <laughs> I tell her every day, I'll be dead soon. I don't tell her that every day, but a lot. So one time she must have got to thinking about that because she said, man, babe, I just thought I'd tell you. I prayed for you to live for 80 years. I was 42 at the time. So she said, well, you have 37 years left. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been watching my back. I think she's going to try to come stab me or something. <laughs> Your time has expired. <laughs> That's, you know, not the kind of compassion I was looking for, but it was good compassion. She wants me to live a long time. 80 years, that's it. What will cause you to take advantage of the opportunities that God has for you? Well, what caused this man to receive the help that he needed? Verses 36 to 37, which now of these three thinkest thou? Jesus is speaking here. Notice he always has an answer for the lawyer. And it's usually a question. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? 
said, hey, there was this guy that was in need, and you've heard the story about him now. Uh, which do you think acted like his neighbor? Verse 37, and he said, the lawyer responded, he that showed mercy on him. Now, I read some commentaries where they said he didn't even want to say the Samaritan, didn't even want to admit who it was. Maybe that was true. I don't know. But what I noticed is that he pointed out that he showed mercy on him. You want to know what made a difference here in this passage? Mercy. The grace and mercy that God shows us is why. It's the very reason that we can receive the gospel. It's the reason that Jesus came and willingly gave himself to be, uh, to be uh, killed on the cross so that we could have eternal life. He, he became sin voluntarily, knew all that this, this stuff was going to happen, didn't want it to have to happen this way, right? He prayed, hey, if it's possible, Lord, uh, would you let this cut pass from me? But he said, nevertheless, he gave himself voluntarily because of the grace and mercy of God. We can have eternal life today. Amen. Uh, but you've got to receive that gospel first, right? This is a beautiful picture of the gospel. What opportunity does God have for you today, though? I want you to ask God today, help me, Lord. Help me see when people are in need. If they need the gospel, I want to share the gospel with them. If somebody just needs me to hand them a track because they don't have time to talk or they're not willing to listen or they're afraid of what I might tell them right now, I want to be available to do that. If somebody just needs me to say, hey, will you go to church with me? Just sit next to me. Just hear what this crazy preacher has to say. Uh, man, he's, he's got some things that, that, that he'll tell you about the Bible that you wouldn't even think would be true. Uh, if somebody needs me to just say, hey, I love you today or what can I pray for you about today? If somebody needs me to just say, hey, I've been thinking about you. Whatever someone needs, God, help me to be used by you to fulfill that need today. Would you just pray that prayer today? Would you make that your prayer every day? Let me challenge you. God's grace and mercy are the reason that people can be saved. This passage is a beautiful picture of salvation, but it also contains a challenge, I believe, for you and me today. The illustration that's used here. I think he's preaching to unsaved and saved people here. It's something to strive for, having mercy on those around us, isn't it? Letting God work through us in the lives of others around us. Let me challenge you today. Just make that sort of a, a mantra this week, will you? God, give me an opportunity and help me see it and help me to let myself be used by you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. God, we won't have a... a lengthy illustration or uh, invitation or anything like that, but uh, we just want to ask you to help us to apply the word of God to our hearts tonight, Lord, to allow the Holy Spirit to change us, God, to uh, see opportunities, Lord, show us someone that is in need, and Lord, use us in the lives of those around us, God, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother.